Welcome to the Women on the Rise podcast. I'm Jen Blandos, the founder of Female Fusion, and this is where we look at everything entrepreneurship for female entrepreneurs. Whether you are just getting started or you have a seven or eight figure business, we cover the topics that matter most to you as you are building, growing, and scaling your business. Welcome to another episode of the Women on the Rise podcast, and we are here in London talking to fabulous women in business. And today I'm joined by Viv Paxnos, who is the CEO of Albright here in London. Welcome to the podcast, Viv. Thank you so much for having me, Jen. Can I call you Jen? Of course you can call me Jen. (laughs) Everybody calls me Jen. Do you know what? I only got called Jennifer when I was in trouble. Me too. My parents call me Vivian when I'm in trouble and everyone else calls me Viv. Exactly. (laughs) Right. So we'll save that. We're not in trouble. (laughs) So um, before we jump in, because I have so many questions, why don't you tell everybody a bit about you and what Albright does? Yeah, absolutely. So let me first start with um, Albright. Mm -hmm. Um, So Albright is the global network for women. So our mission is to remove all barriers for women in the workplace. And we do that through inspiring, connecting, and helping women upskill. We now reach close to 3 million women globally. Uh, We've got physical spaces here in London, and then we've got pop-ups and events around the world. That's pretty cool. And that's how we met, actually, as well. Initially, probably almost a year ago now, we met in Dubai. Exactly a year ago. Yes, yes, that's right. So we met in Dubai, and one of the things that we found, I mean, our missions are similar, but we don't compete against each other, and it's so much that, you know, we're all working towards the the same thing as well. So that's why I'm so happy to have you here. I'm happy to be here. So... Tell everybody a bit about your background. You're the CEO of Albright. Um, what brought yes. you there? Um, so I had a completely different um, industry background. So I moved, uh, I've had a background about 20 years in London and media owner side. So advertising, running commercial teams and running marketing teams. So I worked for some of the biggest companies like the BBC, Viacom for MTV. Um, I worked for a Networks and Discovery Warner as well worked on the Olympic partnerships. And then I wanted a career pivot and I wanted to work for a company that was tech at the heart. And I was I went over to run a company called Unidays, which is a marketplace for Gen Z. And I, um, I had my second baby during COVID and I went back to work about three weeks later. Uh, we were all home, so I figured, why not work? And I um, that was I don't recommend doing that. It was uh, in yeah. hindsight. By the time it got to December, I was completely burnt out and exhausted and decided it, I just needed to take time off work and wanted to do something different. And so I took the time to reflect on what was important to me. I found one common thread was always, um, you know, I had this amazing peer group of women and friends and I'd always support them um, negotiating roles, going after roles, getting their bonuses. And at the time, I um, I knew one of the founders of Albright and was spending some time with her. So she asked me to to jump ship and join Albright, which I did. And I joined as um, CEO for the business. And within just a few weeks, actually, was asked by the board to step up into the CEO role, which I celebrated a year last week. Congratulations. Thank you. And so how have you found that um is this your first CEO role as well? It is, yes. How have you found that? I found it um, challenging, um, 
satisfying. I just, I love it. I love yeah. everything I do. Um, I have to say that everything that I did in working for large, large corporates before that was my, um, I, I took so much out of that. And I learned like the resilience. I learned how to pivot. Um, I learned how to put together business plans and strategies. So I'm so grateful um, that I've had that experience. And, and sometimes, and, and now I've gone to a startup. So sometimes we think that that startup environment is, is only reserved for female founders, but you can have that entrepreneurial mindset when you work for big corporate. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I always did. And then I was able to marry the best of what I learned from a large organization and bring into a small organization. Things that you, you think about more now is, you know, it's not just your your profit margin, but you're thinking of the financial structure of the company. You're thinking about your investors, your cap table. You're thinking about, you know, I I was fundraising as well. So there's just so much more to think about. Um, I, I have to say it's taken me a good year to, to feel really confident and at ease with the role. Um, not because, you know, the, the best part, as we were just discussing, is the community, the members, and, yeah. and getting to know our community, which is the best. And it was the more the the operational side of the business that that, that, that took a little bit longer. But I think it's like that for any business owner as well, that the doing the, the other stuff in your business, that's kind of the fun stuff a lot of times as well, right? But it's the the operations that we need to get solid as well and to really understand that. Did you have you ever fundraised before? Like is this your first time? I've never fundraised well? before. I've always worked for large companies that were really well funded. Yeah. And even just putting together an investment deck. And getting that past the board and uh, the, and speaking to investors, so all of that was quite new. And it's the hard bits, right? And it's, you know, there's times where I, I was just, gosh, I don't know, this is really hard. And you get through <laughs> it and you have to just be, this is where resilience plays yeah. know, an important role. But the greatest lesson for me has been that, you know, the ability to be able to pivot and we all can. And there's so much you can take from your previous experience to apply to whatever you want to do. Mm. And you're... Let's talk about some of the work that Albright's doing because you're doing some fantastic work, especially in the UK as well, for for women, all women, especially a lot for women in the workplace as well. What are some of the, the big initiatives that you're working on? Right Absolutely. Now? So I'm really proud of um, one of our product launches earlier this year called Alliance. Mm -hmm. So Alliance is a framework that supports um, organizations to really um, drive success. So it starts um, with a data and needs analysis. So we use something called a culture decoder to understand how people are feeling about culture in the workplace. And then we take that data and analyze it and then make a recommendation to a, a business around how to improve um, against certain criteria. And then we implement that recommendation through coaching programs, learning programs, mentoring programs. And there's data checkpoints throughout the year. And then at the end of it, we, it's a two-year journey, but at the end of the year, we then they become an Alliance um, certified member that really signifies that they're supporting women in the workplace. So we launched that in Feb and we have 12 partners and we and the, collectively the partners represent 288,000 employees. Wow. Yeah, um, 188,000 women. And we've helped reduce the gender pay gap by 2%. We've helped increase retention rates by double digits. Uh, we've also been nominated for awards. And we're just completing a program with Google. So, I mean, I've been so proud of that because it's really around you know, just driving that success in the workplace and making mm. sure that we're marrying people needs with business performance needs. And I think that's really important. But so often as well, it like the statistics show 
that having, you know, a more diverse workforce, having, you know, parity and pay is good for it's good it makes good business sense, yet still it's not happening. And I don't know if you feel this that when I speak with friends, because being in the space that we're in, we have a lot of friends who are doing the same things. And I remember I was having friends with or I was having dinner with a friend who is a VC focused on funding women mm. women owned businesses. And we were like this is so hard. You know, this is so hard. And you constantly get criticism as well. And you'll have people say, you know, oh, well, why, you know, should we do this for women? And she had just been at um, a meeting and had someone come up to her and go, well, I just fund male-owned businesses. <laughs> you know, yeah. and we, we were sitting there going, it's so hard, but you're also making change. And hopefully that when our daughters are our age, that it's not going to be as hard that people are going to be much more conscious of that and go, well, but that's not right. You know, why should women make less than men? Why should women have less funding than men? A hundred percent. I mean, when it comes to VC funding, we need to make sure we're having women on each side of the table. Yeah. So more women making the decisions in terms of where the money is being invested in. And and then we just need to increase the funding that goes to it. And, and we have the data that supports it. Mm. You know, when you look at how well... Um, female-run um, businesses perform versus men. They outperform them by 15%. Yet they're still not getting the funding. No. And when you look at, you know, when you look at just the economy and the macroeconomic challenges we're facing, how do you plug that gap? Is just invest in women. Yeah. If, if women were funding businesses, were running businesses at the same rate of men, we'd add 1.3 billion into the economy, right? So, and it's is and you know when it comes to the workplace, I mean, um, we get a lot of that. You know, when I speak to a lot of um, influential CEOs, they say, well, you know, we don't want to alienate the men. And I just say, it's not about that. It's not it's women not. or men, right? Yeah. It's about, you know, first you start, you know, I think if I go back to your first point, you know, every company, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're a big corporate, every company wants growth. Growth comes from innovation, mm -hmm. and innovation comes from diversity of thought, right? Diver and that comes from diversity of generations, diversity of genders. So it's a really simple, you know, argument, isn't yeah. it? Right? Yeah. You want to drive growth, then you need diversity, and yeah. that, that's it. So you've you've got to start there, and you've got to make those commitments at every level of the organization. We're either seeing too much focus on the top, not enough middle managers. And so we're seeing quite high attrition rate for women in their 30s. Because when you look at the gender pay gap, it's pretty even in the 20s, right? Yeah. It's just, and then you, you see it starts to widen in the 30, in the, when women are in their 30s, and then they never catch up. Yeah. And it's because, oh, well, there's a number of reasons for it as well. But a lot of times it's because women take time take off. Take time off. Take yeah. time off. Yeah. And they need to have that flexibility. Yeah. yeah I wish companies would be much more open-minded to that because and it's great like what have you seen so the 25 companies that you have so far yeah. what have they seen any tangible results so far that they're really buying into it and almost like telling their other friends so they're beating down your door and going sign us up yeah i mean um what i see in companies is there's a bit of apathy to invest in supporting, you know, gender specific programs. Okay. And and that's because, you know, perhaps when the trading climate is is more challenging. Yeah. And when there's, you know, inflation, interest rates rising, 
you, you, you do what you know best and you hire people that look like you, people that you trust and you don't you don't invest in people as much. Right? Yeah. And it's it's hard for that for some leaders to and it's not even taking a risk, but just to do something differently when times are difficult economically everywhere, not just in the UK, but everywhere. For partners that have been have been investing in part of the Alliance program, we have seen them um, reduce the gender pay gap. We have seen them promote more women. So they've reduced the gender pay gap through promoting more women through our programs because we're teaching them how to negotiate, but we're also teaching them that mindset, that confidence. Yeah. Right. The the Google program is a returners program. So we're supporting women returning back to work and returning with that confidence, but also the agility and and that mindset that they, you know, they they could do anything they want to do, right? And that, that's that plays such a big role. We're seeing an increase of retention rate uh, in double digits at the moment, so mid mid teens, which is really, you know, and it's still it's only, significant. It's right? only six months, right? Yeah. So that, that wow. those are some of the, the impact data that we're seeing at the moment. Wow! But even just within the matter of six months, two percent. It's that's, massive that's compared massive, to right? the UK. I mean, I think the UK gender pay gap has been reduced by like 0.2% in the last like six years or something like that. But I think also as well, things fell back a bit in the pandemic yeah, as well, didn't they? Yeah. That we saw that for for investment and funding, but also as well for, for pay for women and that's businesses. Right. Yeah. Because women um, tend to have more of the lower paying jobs. Uh, more women um, didn't go back to work post-pandemic. So it's we've got to catch up now. And it's it's tricky. You know, when women um, take time off uh, to have children, if, if they wish to have children, the first um, for the first 10 years after they come back, they earn 60 percent less than men. So they never catch up to close that uh, pay gap. It's just like I know. hurts your heart in a way, doesn't it? That And that's why what we do is so important. So when times get tough and I'm like, gosh, this is really difficult, I remind myself that it's just so much bigger, right? Yeah. And it is for that next generation. And, you know, I have my um, my, my, my grandmother who's um, Spartan. She said to me, don't complain. You know, don't complain about work. I was not even able to work. <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, so she's she keeps reminding me, you know, keep doing yeah. what you're doing. Don't complain. Yeah. You know, you've got so much opportunity now uh, but that, we, that she didn't have. Which is amazing, right? Yeah. And it's amazing to see how much has changed, but then also as well to look at it and go, but... It still hasn't changed enough. It hasn't changed enough. Yeah, yeah. And... I think it will change. You know, I've been reading quite a bit of um, the history of sustainability in the workplace and mm -hmm. how long that took to implement. And it took a long time, yeah. right? It was in the early 2000s when the U UN published a study around sustainability and the importance of sustainability. And it's taken a good 20 years to embed that in the mm. workplace as, you know, as something that's default yes. rather than a nice to have. When it's just changing people's mindsets it is, yeah. as well, because I, I find, too, with with this generation um, and I see this even with my kids, I've got a 14 and a, and a 19 year old, that the way that the kids this generation think are completely different than than our generation. And I love that, that they're they're so into kind of like equality and kindness. And, mm. you know, I have conversations with my daughter and she's like, but why are women getting paid less? She's like, that's just that's so stupid. Why? It they doesn't don't make understand. Sense. It's an issue to them. It's right? not an issue. Yeah. All genders. They don't. It's. They don't, you know, they um, they don't they don't connect with the issues that you know we're facing. Yeah, which is why I hope that when my daughter is my age, that she's going to be like, "Can you believe like my <laughs> mum was my age that like they had to fight to get like equal pay or same level of investment?" Yeah, it's, and I'm a mum of two boys, so something that I think about a lot is 
how do you how do you raise boys with you know a lot of empathy yes vulnerability and how do you you know masculinity has been defined in a certain way yeah and it's almost how do you help you know and and we have a leadership program which is just launching next week which is uh, men and women which is the first time we've oh, done that nice. it's all genders because we feel you know i believe that future leadership is feminine and mm-hmm. that could be those feminine qualities are not about gender in a way so it's around yeah. vulnerabilities about compassion empathy collaboration so how do we um unteach what they've taught they've been taught yeah. right and and really make sure that we embed those values in our future leaders and i love to you know cuz i've had people come up to me and i'm sure you've had this too where people are like so are you against guys and i'm like no <laughs> you know like not at all and i'm i'm finding it so important as well to bring men along to support everything that we're doing because mm-hmm. we're only 50% of the population and we need men to support it and buy into it and champion everything that we're doing as well. Oh absolutely and we always start looking at it from what can we do to um to make society and businesses the best they can be, right? How do yeah. we optimize them for greatness? And then what does that look like for for different populations within the workforce women and men have different lived experiences so you can't pretend that that's not the case it is the case yeah. right just as someone of color would have a different experience than than me right and yeah. it's just recognizing that there are some differences and how do we support women in the workplace but then on on the flip side is what are the values that unite us and what yeah. are the priorities that unite us and that's why our leadership we define program is around what unites us as leaders and what are the values that are that have to be consistent across all leadership that sounds really nice and have you had many guys sign up for the program they haven't launched it yet so oh so next, next week, week is next week. okay announcing it yeah so i would lo- how long is the program for it's 12 weeks okay yeah. so we're going to have to have a follow up because yes. i'm really interested <laughs> just to hear how that works yeah. bringing men and women but i do together. get um to what you say i do get um i was at an event uh, not too long ago and i had someone asked me what i did uh, a man and i told him and he said oh that's total bs like why do we and and, and you do yeah. get that and then i listen yeah. and that's and i want to understand where where are you coming from yeah. like what's happened in your life to feel that way yeah. Yeah. where it's so easy to get angry and i just i said well tell me why you think that right? yeah and that's it that i i like you as well that there's no point getting angry mm. that we need as many guys as champions as possible. I had that as well when I was in America earlier this year that some guy told me the same thing that it was terrible what I was doing and I was like okay, you know, <laughs> why? Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I think probably because there is the feeling that some people think well, you know, you're anti-guy and mm. you're saying that I can't get funding or you know, you need to hire a woman over me. And you know, even for things like um, procurement and how companies hand out contracts, a lot of times um, women are getting one to two percent of that as well. And you speak with people in procurement, and a lot of times they don't even know this, but how they find companies a lot of time is through their networks. Yeah. And if you're a guy, most often your friends are guys. Of course, that's what you. And so you're not consciously eliminating people but you're kind of like oh well you know this department needs this person okay who do I know I'm going to ask and have you know the five companies put in proposals but then if all those five companies are guys and they're white you know yeah absolutely you hire who you know yeah that's that's what happens Yeah. yeah and so it's just expanding that network as well 
Absolutely. So you wrote an article um, which I thought was really interesting talking about um, when people are being laid off and the resilience that you need Mm. when you've been laid off. And I was reading your article and I thought, these are all the skills that an entrepreneur needs. (laughs) Does that mean that we've all been laid off? (laughs) But it is kind of like all of those ranges of emotions when you're running your own business as well. Do you want to... um, Expand on that. Expand yes, on that. I have to remember bit. what I wrote. But, Do you? I, mean, I wrote notes if you want. It's as interesting because well. when I look at the trend at Albright, we, when I look at the number of entrepreneurs we had pre and post COVID, and increased post COVID. Mm. So I'm not saying they were laid off, but they could have decided. Well, actually, I'm doing something differently. Yeah. Right. And that's and that that those are the qualities I think. That I think there were four or five that I mentioned. I usually do things in five, but it's five. Five. So okay. shall I? Okay. So embrace the power of positivity. Network, network, network. Don't be afraid to pivot. Self-care is non-negotiable and upskill yourself. Yes. Okay. So should we talk through them? So let's talk about positivity. Yes. So I, you know, I strongly believe like mindset is so important and you have, you have a choice of how you react to things. Um, I have someone uh, close to me at the moment who's being made redundant. I'm like, that's amazing. You've been there for 15 years. What a great opportunity to do something different. They looked at me like I was crazy. Yeah. I was like, no, it is amazing. It is. Now, I have to say you have to couple mindset or manifestation with action. So yeah. you can't just have the mindset. What, you can't manifest a new job? <laughs> you have to have action, right? Yes. And I was talking about that um, with, with the team this morning. Um, because you can manifest and you have mindset, but then you have to make sure you're, yeah. you, you've got the discipline to do what you're supposed to do, right? And and I think that's really important because there's all there's so much talk about positive mindset, which I think is so key. But it's, there's we need to have more talk about actually discipline, yeah, and making sure that we, we do what we're supposed to be doing to then make that positive, yeah, outcome happen, right? Yeah, yeah I mean nobody's gonna change it for you, yeah. right? You're gonna have to take care of yeah. it yourself. But um, I work on my mindset all the time and. Um, positivity is just is key and just always looking at things from a different perspective and I'm sure we'll go on and talk about it um, a lot but I just believe in living in the flow of life and not trying to fight against it yeah so this has happened to you there must be a reason and I always think we are exactly where we need to be at the right moment and if we kind of find solace in that and then figure out how to go from there you'll end up somewhere great that's some pretty good wisdom there. And and it's funny that it takes us a long time to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> do you know how I figured out something not, not to do with work? But I'll, I'll give the example. So I had my first child and then my second one I really struggled with. And we had to do five rounds of IVF. And then I remember standing in front of the clinic and thinking, I just cannot do another round. So I thought, that's it. I'm done. And I gave all the baby clothes away and all of that. And I was like, I'm just going to be happy with one child. You know, As a Greek woman, you never have one child. You have like four. Yeah, right? yeah. I have to have a second child. I was obsessed with it. Um, and then like four or five months later, I got pregnant naturally. Wow. So it's giving into where you are, right? Yeah. Not being so so obsessed with, you know, how am I going to... And then and then just giving into it and then just letting go. And that that's a great example for me. And it was such a wake-up moment of living more in the flow of life as opposed to just fighting against it and having something like that consumed. All, like everything I was thinking about. It's so wise because I think when you do that as well, you you relax yes, more and you're more open yep. to seeing opportunities that maybe exactly. present themselves. It's as that well. abundance mindset. Yeah. And it's so important. You know, I wish like 
skills like these were taught to mm. kids even at school like these are such important skills like you were saying you know you lose your job yeah. what a gift yeah. right like you weren't happy in your job or something like that look at what you could do with that do you want to change your career do you want to work for a different company do you want to set up a business mm. it's a gift the universe is giving you a gift it is and someone asked me I was on um a podcast a couple of weeks ago and they said what are the what are the most important skills we like I think my children need to have in the future because our jobs the jobs they have are going to look completely different yeah. and I answered agility resilience and empathy mm-hmm. right it's just and that's the the resilience to get through whatever yeah. life throws at you and the the agility being able to move with life is just so important but those are skills that people aren't taught no yeah Absolutely. And you kind of learn them as you go through yeah. life. I think it's, it's the smarts and the emotion that have to go together. Yeah. And, yeah. I don't think I really got the hang of that until I was in my early 40s mm. probably because I spent so long kind of like what's next, what's next, how can I control it? Me too. And how do I move up? How do I move up? How do I get the yeah, next Yeah, get there faster. I want to be there <laughs> as fast as possible. You know, yeah. I want to be a VP at this level or, you know, make this much. the same. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, um, when I was 27, I made VP. And I was like, I'm the youngest VP ever. You know, it's thought so. I was so proud of that. And then I was like, why? You know, yeah. why are you? And I'm kind of, I, I'm almost 50 now and I'm looking at it going, I don't want to be a grown up anymore. <laughs> Why did I push so hard? Yeah. Like I want to do everything yeah. so fast because yeah. it is hard. I think life sends you signals. So if you listen and you're in tune with yeah. yourself, you just you just listen, right? Yeah. What's the second one? So second one is networking. Yes. So that is the the single most important thing for anyone listening you can do for your career is network, network, network. I cannot say it enough. And your business, career, business, I I look at that as one, right? Yeah. It's the most important thing you can do for your business because every role, even this one, everything I've done has been because of my network. Yeah. And people just remember and, and network with the view of building relationships and not transactions. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And, and some people don't like to network. And if you put that pressure that it's to, to make a business contact, yeah, then then you put that, you know, unre- that expectation on yourself. But if it is to just go and meet somebody and, and find a way to connect, because we all yeah. connect with each other one way or another. Of course. So if you find that common way to connect, network, network, network. Yeah. I mean, we just need to make the time. I mean, the fundraising, if you need accountants, finance, all of that. You yeah. Know, you just need to, like, use your network as much as possible. And I, what I say to people as well, no matter how busy you are, you always have to make time. Yeah. Because that is one of the things that's going to make a biggest shift for you in your life. Absolutely. I went to an event um, a little while back. I was a friend of mine. He's quite senior in the advertising industry. He said, come along. And I thought, oh, I don't have time, but I'll, I'll go. I was quite keen to see what it was like. He's been talking to me about it for a while. And it was a really great event. Lots of senior people and from a brand point of view and the advertising community. And then when he asked me for feedback, I said, it was great, but you just had too many men. And not enough women. It was like 75, 25. And he said, Viv, I start the, inv- the invite list with 75% women. 
25% men, but the women tend to drop off and I get more men really? showing up. And it's just, it's the time because we've got, you know, other responsibilities, yeah. whether we're caring for children, caring for others, or we take so much on and we don't make the time to network. Yeah. So to me, it's just so important to, yeah. to really make the time to network. Yeah. No, I I find the that best so things important. in your in your career and your business will happen because of your network. Don't you find though, just on an aside, that I love going to networking events, sometimes that aren't mine because yes. I don't have to do anything. <laughs> Isn't that refreshing? It's so nice. I, I was I went to a couple last week where I didn't even have to host. I was just yeah. there. I was like part of mingling, and I loved it. Oh, the, and then sometimes when the panel the panel is speaking, I, I want to just jump in and say something, and I have yeah. to hold back. You're like. <laughs> I'm just here to relax and exactly. network. And just, uh, just listen and yeah. absorb the, what's happening around me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. no, that's one of my favorites as well. Just, I, I was at an event a couple of weeks ago, and a lot of our members were at this event. And I thought, this is so nice that I don't have a microphone in my hand mm. and that I don't have to be up on stage and I'm not on any schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I can just talk. <laughs> relax. Um, next thing is pivoting. Yeah, pivoting. I mean... Um, I pivoted twice. I went from media owner to an e-commerce marketplace. That's one pivot. And then from that to a startup. And it's great. Like our careers are not linear. Yeah. And and there's Squiggly, right? There's a, a really great book and podcast called um, Squiggly Careers. And embrace that as well. Yeah. And don't be afraid. There's always um, lessons you take from from your the experience you've had and you can apply it going forward. So I think it's really, you know, they say you have about five different careers um, and uh, in, in a lifetime and really like embrace that and enjoy yeah. that and do things differently. And it is it is cool that we can do we can do that. Like 30, 40 years ago, that wasn't possible yeah. that, you know, our parents generation, they'd yeah. look at it and be like, well, this is your career. You're an accountant. You'd be an accountant for your life. And I think it's cool even when I meet accountants who have been accountants and they're like, I've set up a shop <laughs> or I'm a fashion yes. designer now or I've set up like a, a, an e-commerce store. Mm. Like, I think cool. in, in life we have to constantly um, think about our brand and how we're reinventing it and keeping yeah. it relevant. Well, it's the personal brand as well. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. The personal brand is so important. And, and the only person, if, if you don't build your personal brand, then others will build it for you. So take control of that and use it to pivot. And if, you, if you're interested in another area, then start to build a personal brand around yeah. those interests. Yeah. And I see with business owners and also uh, women who are in corporates as well, a lot of times feel like, oh, no, no, I don't like I don't want to be seen. You know, I'm going to hide behind my business or I'm going to hide behind my company. I'll do the company stuff. But having your personal brand is so important. It's so important. That's like that. That's an asset. But also, when you look at great brands, they have a personal touch to them. And and so you need to have your own personal brand to create a connection with your customers, your network, all of that. Um, and again, if you don't, if you're not, if you don't build it, then others will brand you or make an assumption of, of who you are. So yeah. be in control of your own narrative. Yeah. I mean, we all have a we all have a narrative and when we step forward, and we connect with that narrative. Then we're more authentic as leaders. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more with you on that. Now, um Another one is upscaling yourself. Yeah. I love this one mm. because there's so much to learn. Always, yeah. And that's a big part of what we do at Albright. So we've got, you know, 
a wealth of data and a wealth and, and a breadth of um, upskilling opportunities because mm-hmm. you always have to constantly be learn always be learning yeah. right and um, and I think that's again whether you know we did um, something around Web three and NFTs now whether you're interested or not in getting to this space understanding it yeah is really important and and what I say often is you know a, a knowledge gap becomes a power gap and becomes a wealth gap. Right. So if we want to make sure that we're closing the gap and we're closing the wealth gap and the gender pay gap, you have to be in those sectors where women are not as represented and you have to be leaning in and learning. Yeah. And constantly learning. And again, I hate this when I hear women say to me, oh, I don't have time. So I, I make a point that I spend at least five hours a month learning something new. Agree. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. when you're running a business, you, you need to know everything. Absolutely. I mean, I'm... I've kind of done, have done a deep dive in AI at the moment, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, I use ChatGPT every day. <laughs> it's great, right? And there's efficiencies and yes. understanding how how everyone out there can use it to make themselves a more valuable member yeah. of the team, or more valuable business owner, more efficient, is such an incredible opportunity. It's going to be a, you know such a big innovation of our time. Have you found that many of Albright's members have been embracing it as well, or do you see that there's still well, some we, women? We've who are been fearful? running a uh, workshop. So it's a six-week workshop around how to use AI to navigate business and drive innovation. We have about 150 women dialing in from it for it. So it's pretty That's cool. Pretty impressive. That's yes, good. Pretty impressive. Nice. Yeah. And then the last one that you had was self care yes. is non negotiable. It's you know whatever that means to you. And I go mine goes up in you know, in waves. There are times where I'm really great at self care, and there are times where I'm just really bad. I was going to swear, but I'm not going to swear. <laughs> where I'm really bad at it, you know. And um and is but it's whatever however you you know fill your cup. You know, and this was really in, in for a lot of my friends work in media and they were made redundant. Right. Hmm. And when I mean self-care is don't spend the whole day looking for work. Yeah. You know, spend two hours, look for work and then do something for yourself. Yeah. You know, take care of you because work is going to follow. Right. It's impossible that, the, you know, the notion that you're never going to work again. It's going to come. So yeah. take two, two hours, three hours, whatever you feel comfortable with, and then do something else for yourself. You're just going to be so much better for it. Yeah. Well, then it's going to make it easier for you to find a job as well, because if you're constantly stressed and worried, that that's going to reflect when you're when you're looking for that Absolutely. role as well. Exactly. You almost come across as desperate. Yeah. Yeah. Which impacts your negotiation power. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um, on the self-care as well, I wanted to talk to you too about... so. We saw each other in the summer, and you were glowing when I saw you. You were just like, hi, oh, I feel so great. You had been away on a retreat for the weekend. Was it weekend or was it? It was we- a weekend. It was yeah. a weekend and just completely re-energized. And I'd love to chat about that because, again, this is one thing that I hear from women in corporates and also who are entrepreneurs, mm. oh, I don't have time for that. Or, you know, why would I spend money on that? But you found that that was quite revolutionary for it you, It was right? the best. Um, I, it was with the very inspiring Mo Gadot, um, who I absolutely love. And I've, I've read his books. And I just saw it pop up in my Instagram feed. And g- good marketing tactic is like four more rooms available. And I just booked it. <laughs> and I in. I knew that July was going to be a really busy month for me. So I booked it in advance and I booked it to prevent burnout because I'm I'm just always all in. Right. It's just the way I am. And um, 
and I wanted to take a step back and reflect and learn. And it's interesting because I went to the um, retreat intentionally being a bit of a loner and quiet. And it was something that I want. I didn't want to be my usual, my usual self because I spent so much time, as you do, mm-hmm. networking, leading events, you know, leading a team, you know, have my kids. And you're yeah. just energizing others. I was almost the I almost retreated. Right? I was the opposite. And are you are you an introvert or an extrovert? Like, are you mainly extroverted? I'm mainly extroverted. Yeah. Yes. Because I don't know if you find this. I'm very extroverted, but it gets to a point. Like, yes. if you've been doing so many events or so many interviews, that you mm-hmm. get to a point where you're like, I love people, but I don't want to talk no. to anybody for 24 hours. And that's <laughs> why I did the retreat. I didn't want to speak to anyone for 48 hours. So I took notes. I was smiling. And then, of course, after, you know, halfway through, I went to, to speak to Mo and he's like, oh, you're just you're so quiet. And who are you? And, and all that. I was like, oh, I'm usually not. But this is why I did this. And I got to spend some time with him. But the reason why uh, I love the retreat is it gave me the tools of how to deal with stress. And it was just a good reminder of, you know, um, signs, things to look out for. You know, there were things also like silent walks, which I really enjoyed, some meditation. And it's just good to for me to connect with your thoughts. I feel when I get really, really busy and yeah. just everything, I can't feel what's in my gut, you know, like what's the right thing to do? What am I thinking? And, you know, and I, I need to connect with myself. And mm-hmm. when I lose that connection and that that balance, which is which not work-life balance but when I lose like that touch with myself yeah I have to do something and I had gotten I knew I was getting to that point and it had been about six months into into my role I thought I need to take some time and just um, reset and do you do you feel as well that when you make decisions I found the older that I get it's more based on intuition do you find yeah it was interesting because when I when I took on the role as CEO, um, I questioned, not publicly, yeah. um, my decisions a bit, right? Am I doing the right thing? I didn't yeah. want to make a mistake and all of that. And and then I just, I had to give in. I just thought, gosh, you make the, the decision, the decisions we make are with the information we have at hand at that time. And so you're do, you're doing the what you think is right, and not everything is going to be right, but you're doing what you think is right. And I, I do use a lot of data, and I, I make sure that when we're developing new products, are we testing them with our users? Yeah, we're making some changes to our membership now, and I said, have we tested it with our members? Right? <laughs> don't just give them something just, that they don't want. Yeah, yeah. Like, like let's let's build the business with our members and our community. Yeah. So I do. Um, ask for that data quite often, and then I do what I think is right. If it feels really wrong, I say no right away. Yeah. If it feels I'm not sure, then I just ask for, like, can I get some more information? And that's okay, and I've learned not to say yes right away. So mm-hmm. there was a decision my team was waiting on for me for about two weeks, and they said, okay, it's decision time today. And I took the last two weeks just to think about it, think about the day, and not having to give an answer straight away. Because it was one that I was sitting on the fence and there was a reason why. So I needed to do a bit of understanding the data, understanding the members, understanding my team. And then I came to the decision, OK, we're, we're going to pivot this way. OK. And I, you know, so I, I, I think I, uh, I've gotten better over the last year in making decisions and more confident and not yeah. putting the pressure that I'm going to get it all right. And sometimes, sometimes I just I don't. But we put so much pressure on ourselves. 
I think, you know, every every one of my friends who are very senior in corporate roles or in business, we just put this pressure, and I don't know if guys do the same, that, you know, we're, we're just so high achieving that, you know, there's the pressure that I want to make the right decision or even doubting ourselves mm. sometimes. And I don't think guys do it as much as we do. I don't, and, and perhaps are not as apologetic. So I think mm. remembering that, you know, when you do decisions, I, I always think about, you know, am I making the best decision for, for the business, you know, ethically, right? Yeah. Am I making decision the best decision for the people around me? Am I treating them well? And I think if you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, I did the best I could with the information I had at hand, and then you move on, mm. right? Sounds like, I was just thinking, it sounds like being a parent as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Mo taught me this, and it's very simple. Um, at the retreat we went, and he said, okay, when a thought comes in, because we're not our brain, right? When yeah. a thought comes in from your mind, and 